0: This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the November series of One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program series that I'm running in 2017. This month, we're going to take a look at one month of 360 degrees of communication in compliance. This month's sponsor is Dun & Bradstreet. The only thing that is constant right now in the regulatory environment is change. Supply chain leaders and compliance professionals alike continue to struggle with how to best adequately identify, screen, and gain visibility into ownership structures of third parties and or customers so that they understand exactly who they are doing business with. Companies can knowingly finance goods that are potentially obtained illegally or sold on the black market. Procurement teams that are unaware of third-party activities have antiquated systems, they put their company at risk. Without proper visibility, these teams could unknowingly be funding terrorism or even engaging in human trafficking. In-depth research is needed to identify ultimate beneficial owners and third-party risks. No business ties to corrupt practices such as human trafficking or money laundering is going to self-report, so companies must take this work on themselves and obtain third-party data needed to determine risk mitigate exposure, and protect their brand and comply with regulations. Dun & Bradstreet offers an end-to-end comprehensive solution to help organizations tackle this exact complexity. Leverage Dun & Bradstreet's complete due diligence reporting to know your vendor and your third-party partners. Do not expose yourself to undue risk. Contact Dun & Bradstreet today to learn more about vendor onboarding, supply risk management, and comprehensive compliance check. This month, I'm going to tackle the concept of 360 degrees of communication and compliance. We're going to take a look at it from a variety of ways and mechanisms. We're going to consider the chief compliance officer and its his or her role in communications. We're going to take a look at how you can facilitate a two-way conversation of communications while sitting in the CCO suite. We're going to consider some of the leadership and other components of a CCO's role and how they will help you have a more robust and indeed holistic approach to compliance. We're going to consider the bottom-up approach to communications by utilizing communications techniques for your employees, third parties, contractors, and those that may come into contractual relationship with your company through the supply chain. We're going to consider 360 degrees of communications through operationalization of compliance and culture. It's going to be a very interesting month. I think as a CCO, you will learn quite a bit. And at the end of the month, you will not only have information which will allow you to be a more well-rounded CCO, but bring a much more holistic approach to your compliance function. My year-long series of One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program and the November edition of One Month of 360 Degrees of Communication and Compliance are a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 7, Telling a Compliance Story. Today, I want to look at 360 degrees of communication in compliance in the context of using social media to tell a story that you can use to demonstrate how powerful your compliance program is, both internally, but more importantly, in this example, to regulators. This is an example of how creative thinking by a lawyer in the field of import compliance led to the development of a software application using some of the concepts that I've been talking about around social media. It once again demonstrates the maxim that lawyers and compliance practitioners are only limited by their imagination, and the use of the software tool demonstrates the power of what social media can bring into your compliance program. Unfortunately, some companies, while actively using social media to reach communicate with and receive information back from their customer base, do not allow employees to access social media on company purchased computers. Such corporate ad- attitudes, while clearly from the time of dinosaurs, unfortunately still exist. Companies need to understand that social media is a tool which can and should be used affirmatively. Like any tool, it can be abused, but if you cannot trust your employees not to goof off, they probably, number one, should not be your employees anyway, and two, shows that the company is a lousy manager and there's lots of room for growth. It reminds me of when I was working for a corporation back in 2004 and they did not want employees to have company-issued cell phones because, you know, they might actually use them for personal use. The bottom line is that social media is here to stay. Millennials and others are going to communicate through the medium, this medium. So if companies want to stay relevant, not only with their products and services, they need to understand that social media is an important tool of the future. Gar Hurst, a partner at the law firm of Gibbons & Johnson in Houston, faced an issue around U.S. anti-dumping laws for honey that originated in China. The U.S. government applies anti-dumping trade sanctions to these goods from a particular country. They do this when the domestic interest group alleges and and proves, at least theoretically, that the producers in a foreign country are selling their goods into the U.S. at below fair market value. By doing this, they are harming the U.S. domestic industry. The dumping duties which can arise from this can easily be 100, 200, even up to 500 percent of import duties. To get around anti dumping laws, importers would ship Chinese originated honey to Indonesia, Vietnam, or some other country and pass it off as having originated from one of those locations. The problem that Hearst's client faced was how to prove that the honey did not originate from China. Hearst uh, indicated that they were looking, uh, that rather they were working with a Southeast Asian honey producer. They were in a situation where customs was essentially treating them as though they were a Chinese producer. The law firm produced documents, then provided them to the government. They provided them with invoices. They provided them with production documents. They provided them with all sorts of documents. There was nothing that they could give the government documentarily that they would believed was not fake. That was the problem. The documents on their face were just a form of testimonial evidence, meaning that someone somewhere said this stuff is actually from the Philippines. It's only as good as the word of the person who wrote on it. The law firm and the company importer needed something that would get beyond the problem. So using awareness around communications through a smartphone, Hearst and his team came up with the idea that with smartphone technology in the hands of basically everyone in the United States and pretty soon everyone in the world, these devices allow people to take a picture that is geotagged and time and date stamped, then uploaded that picture into a database. And so that's what they created. They created an app that resided on an Android phone that they could go, then go around and document the collection of all the various barrels of honey and its processing. Every time they took a picture, it would be time and date stamped as well as geotagged. You know, when a when and where a picture of a particular barrel of honey is taken, with special labels, you could identify it as well. From this information, it's uploaded into secure database uh, in the cloud. The firm then took all of the evidence that the honey originated in Indonesia, not China, and presented it to the U.S. Customs Service to show his client had not sourced the honey in China. In this software version 2.0, Hearst and his development team created a searchable database in which customs could use to spot check and make other determinations. Recognizing the tech level of technical sophistication of honey farmers in Asia, the software is amazingly simple to use. It, take, it takes pictures, puts time stamps on them, and puts geotags to show the location where the picture is taken and with glued or pasted barcodes, you can trace the shipment of honey through its journey. But it does so in a way to tell the story. And you're basically telling the story, the provenance, if you will, of one imported barrel of honey. How did it get where it's at? It's very different. But that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to do it in a way that's easy enough to allow a farmer in Indonesia to provide the evidence and then a customs agent in the United States to review it. Such a software concept rather such a software system uses concept around social media to make honey farmer a provider of documentary evidence through photographs to meet U.S. anti-dumping laws. But I see this application much broader that could be used by anyone who needs to verify information on delivery, delivery amounts, delivery times, and delivery locations. There could be a field hand who is delivering chemicals in West Africa and does not know how to speak English. It could be used for a special import or export regulations due to NAFTA, where restricted trade goods um, into countries such as Iran. It's a wide variety of ways to use this, and this is the use of social media as a communications tool and really a three hundred and sixty degree communications tool. If you think back to our first day of this month's podcast series, I talked about the different tools within social media that you can use in a 360-degree degree view, and I think this is a key one going forward. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, use the tools of social media to help you tell a story of compliance. Here the compliance was for import duties, but I think uh, the analogy is pretty clear to really anything that you want to use. The use of social media here was to provide evidence to a regulator, and that's perhaps not one thing the typical compliance practitioner would use. Second, and this is one of my favorites, you're only limited by your imagination. Here, we had a problem that seemed unresolvable, yet through some very creative compliance practitionering, even if it was an outside lawyer, uh, the problem was solved. And finally, converging text, pictures, and data into a tool can be very powerful. We talked about this in our first podcast this month, about what is a 360-degree view and The different types of tools that are available to you as a compliance practitioner, print, broadcast, email, pictures, web, social media, in-person events, speeches, converging all these together in a tool can be very powerful for you. I hope you've enjoyed Day 7 of 360 Degrees of Communication and Compliance, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 8. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to 360 Days of Communication and Compliance. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only daily Compliance Podcast involving the nuts and bolts of compliance. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this month, Dunn & Bradstreet. I hope you will join me tomorrow for another episode. The podcast series in November, one month to 360 degrees of communication as a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.